This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Where were you when the Vader verdict was being read? Maybe you were at work. Maybe you were driving the kids somewhere. Maybe you didn't even have a chance to listen or watch the verdict. I happened to have been in my car and I was listening very intently to the point where, you know, when you get in your garage and you don't want to turn the radio off because you don't want to miss something. I, as I've said in my blog and you can read it on my Facebook page, that Travis Vader wasn't the only one really on trial. I, I think the openness of a court was on trial as well. And the fact that Justice Thomas decided to have cameras and microphones in the courtroom so that we could bring it to you live here on News Talk 770 or you could stream it live on global television. But the fact that they did this so that everyone could hear this very important verdict, I said, shows that it's important that we are part of the process. I think it would have been different had I just heard breaking news that Travis Vader has been found guilty of two counts of second-degree murder when he was originally charged with first-degree murder. And I think the average person would have said, what, really, why? But then you listen to the judge and his reasoning, even though as we now hear that it is going to be appealed, the defense questioning some of his decisions and citing the criminal code that apparently has been ruled unconstitutional. I mean, that's another day. That's another conversation. But I wanted this hour to talk about the fact that we were able to hear everything the judge said and his reasoning into the verdicts with Travis Vader, because it doesn't happen very often in Canadian courts. I want to bring in Peter Jacobson. He is a defamation and media lawyer joining us today. Hello, Mr. Jacobson. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, and I know this isn't the first time this has ever happened, but does it happen frequently enough, I guess? No, it's very, very rare, and it doesn't happen nearly enough in order for the public to be given as much access as it should get to the judicial process. Tell me what happens, let me see, in other jurisdictions, let's say in the U.S., because we often see uh, news stories of a judge listening to a a prosecutor or a, a defense lawyer. So in the U.S., is it much different? We know their justice system is much different, but when it comes to actually allowing cameras and microphones in the courtroom... It's hugely different, um, and one of the one of the problems that we have is people assuming that the American system is similar enough to ours that we should avoid the kind of spectacle that a cap uh, occurred in the uh, with, with Justice uh, Lance Ito in the uh, uh, in, in the trial that he did, um, O.J. Simpson. It's it's too bad that that happened because the judge lost control of his courtroom. It became a fiasco, and people, I think, assume or fear that if we did the same thing in Canada, we might have the same kind of fiasco-like result. And I think we all remember Judge Ito, too. He almost became a bit of a star just because he was the judge on such a big trial. But that is the the exception for all the ones that uh, have a camera in the courtroom, does it happen very often? Well, no, it, it really doesn't. And furthermore, we have a very different um, approach to our, our judiciary and our courts. 
in Canada. We do not have the same kind of antics that are allowed in the United States by counsel. We do not have lawyers here grandstanding. And uh, there is no, absolutely no reason uh, to fear that the courts here would lose control like Justice Ito lost control. Any lawyer that tried those kinds of things in Canada would be slapped really hard on the nose and wouldn't do it again. Peter, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you know the first time a camera was allowed in a Canadian courtroom? I, I don't know the absolute first time. It's it's relatively recent. But I would point out that we have had cameras in uh, public inquiries for years and years, for decades, and there has been no problem whatsoever with uh, lawyers grandstanding or witnesses being intimidated, which are the two reasons that people say we ought to be very careful. Remember, in this particular case, in the in the case that we're talking about, um, all this is is a stationary uh, camera zooming in on a judge uh, so we can see him and hear him giving uh, his decision. There's absolutely no reason why this couldn't be done a lot more often. And not just on verdicts, though? I mean, in this case, it was the verdict, but would you like to see it open to the actual trial process? I would like to see it that, uh, done that, and I recognize that there are some times when it could be intimidating for witnesses. There could be those concerns, but given that we've not had that kind of problem with public inquiries, why would we assume that that's going to happen with uh, uh, with, with trials? Uh, also, with appeal courts, there's no reason for it to ha- for us not to have cameras, and we all know that the Supreme Court of Canada regularly has cameras. So it seems to me that the question that the courts ought to be asking is why not do it rather than why do it you know this kind of ties in with the conversation i had last week we were talking about security cameras that they are now in major centers we don't even notice them sometimes and that could be the same if you just had stationary cameras set up in a courtroom it would be come to get to the point where you're just okay they're there you're oblivious to them and you just can carry on like you did prior to cameras being installed Well, I can tell you that I've been involved in a number of public inquiries where there were cameras and we very quickly lose lose any perception that they're even there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no effect whatsoever. The lawyers don't act out. Uh, The witnesses give their testimony in the same way they would if there were no cameras there. It seems to me that this is something that in 2016 there ought to be some really serious thought given to. And I'm tying in another story that we've been following, of course. Last week, Justice Robin Camp was appearing before a judicial hearing, and I'm sure you've heard about it, of course, with his comments about keeping your legs closed. Now, how would that have been different if a judge is aware that what he is saying and how he is conducting himself and the actual court, the trial process, is being watched and broadcast? Well, I I think it might have been very different. I mean, the other the other side of that, of course, is that uh, um, it might have some judges might might want to uh, grandstand themselves. But I think all of these concerns that we have would be easily would easily be bled out of a system that became public because it would no longer be a, a novel thing for a judge to be giving uh, his decisions. And, and it may well be that judges would be a lot more conscious of the of the public ethic uh, around uh, making those kinds of statements if, if, if he or she thought they were only be, not only being made in his courtroom but, but could be broadcast to the public at large.
Now, even when Justice Thomas agreed to have the cameras in his courtroom, he did so saying that he believes that there's got to be, uh, it might build confidence in the judicial system for those watching or interested in it. And I think that would be one big argument to have cameras or microphones in the courtroom. Well, I think that that's, I think you've hit the nail right on the head. That is the big reason to do it is to make it more accessible. I mean, remember, we're talking about uh, court proceedings that are open to the public. That is, members of the public can go and sit and watch. Well, the Supreme Court of Canada has said on a number of occasions that the media are the eyes and the ears of the public because not every member of the public has got the time to go and watch in the middle of the day um, or, or even is physically in the area of the court. So why not make it more available to members of the public? This, this would increase uh, a, a better, much better understanding of what the court is doing and why it's doing it. And I think that the, uh, the case that you're talking about today is a perfect example. The judge got an opportunity to explain why it was a second-degree murder uh, conviction as opposed to a first degree. I mean, that, that in his own words, means that the judge is able to di- speak directly to the public that he's serving. Peter Jacobson is my guest this half hour. He is a defamation and media lawyer, and we are just talking about after the Travis Vader verdict was broadcast, whether or not we should be moving towards seeing this in more courts, and not just for the verdicts, but for actual trials as well. Peter, I I, I got a text like this, and I want to share it with you because I think a lot of people also are critical of this because this person is saying the media is pathetic, people are murdered all the time, all the talk about this trial and the broadcast is just about money and listenership. The public is no better wanting their excitement fix on a horrible event, and the texter goes so far as to say it's voyeurism only because I can't say that. But see, that's another thing, is that people are saying, what's the benefit? Why why do you have to have cameras in there? Well, you want people to understand and respect the process, and they can't do that unless they have a, a good understanding of it. And what better way of getting an understanding of the process than to be able to actually see it and to understand, in the judge's own words, listening to what he says, he or she says, understand why uh, a decision has been rendered. Uh, I expect that that same listener might be very concerned about some judgments that he's heard, uh, and uh, he or she has heard, and, and he or she might be very, very critical, but might understand it much better if they were given an opportunity to, to see and hear what actually went on in a court. Too many people have a view of our courts from television. Yes. And that is, first of all, most of those programs are, are, uh, are American, so yes. it's a very different situation. But if you watch programs like Suits, which are lots of fun, but they have nothing more to do with the way the practice of law and the way uh, courts act than, than many of the medical uh, shows or or WKPRG was a, really about radio stations. It's WKRP. It was one of my favorite shows, so I just wanted WKRP, to make sure you got the right sorry, a while ago. the right yeah. call letters. <laughs> right, right. But but the point right. is, I mean, they're, they're, how different was that show from what really went on, what really goes on in a day to day basis in a in a radio station? I mean, it's to me the thought that uh, uh, we shouldn't be seeing it because. Uh, the the medium uh, is uh, is charges ad time for 
for these programs is ludicrous. It would, I mean, we, according to that theory, we shouldn't have news either because news drives some advertising. Although I've got to say that for the most part, I think media outlets would, would, would agree that they're not making money out of doing this kind of thing. And the texter just got back saying, then broadcast something not so sensational if your interest is educational. Well, the whole idea would be you could tap into this live anytime you wanted to. It's not necessary that a radio station would have to broadcast every trial. It would be more just like any news. We can't do all the news in the world, but we would pick and choose. But you still would have that ability for the public. And now we do have the technology that you could go and listen live or go and watch it live streaming. That's absolutely right. And and obviously people are going to be more interested in the more interesting and the yeah. more controversial cases. Mm-hmm. And it would be very odd if the media wasn't uh, listening to the, the the wishes of the the and the desires of the of the of of its of its listeners right. and viewers. Exactly. I mean, we could report every day that planes landed safely, you know, the whole story about that. <laughs> but we only cover it when it's something more serious because that's what makes news. How do we, though, protect the accused? Because that is often the criticism that you shouldn't get cameras in the courtroom. Well, <clears throat> not the we accused. I apologize. I didn't mean the accused. I apologize. I mean the victim. Now it I'm w- sounding like Justice Robin Camp. I mean the victims. Right. Well, that's an easier question to ask than the other one. Yeah. Answer, but but the the um, the fact of the matter is is that um, there there are there are publication bans that can be put on. You can ensure that uh, uh, the, the, in extreme cases that the the face of the victim would be pixelated out, um, or you could decide in cases where it's a sexual assault case and it would be very difficult for the accused to get this kind of notoriety that uh, or the victim. Uh, that um, that in this particular case, it won't be available. Yeah. I mean, the court has got the, the discretion to do it. And as I said earlier, I wish they would start asking the question of themselves, why not do it? And there may be cases where it shouldn't be done instead of why do it in, in the very odd case uh, like the Vader case. Peter, I also think that, yes, the media is there to, you know, represent the public or to make sure that justice is being done and not just being seen to be done. But also some things can get lost in translation. So if you are actually running clips of what a judge is saying or what a a lawyer is saying, I think then you've got the actual story being broadcast or shared with an audience. I think that's right. And, you know... Uh, with the greatest respect to those uh, reporters who sit all day and then do a stand-up outside of the courthouse for a few minutes, um, they often are not able to really give the true sense of what went on in the courtroom. Um, and it's much more accurate to hear it from the, course, uh, from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the idea that, that the media should be filtered, everything should be filtered through the media, um, without allowing uh, the public to see what's actually going on, has two effects. One is that it doesn't, uh, it, it, it's not as accurate. But more importantly, it doesn't give the, the public the same taste for how the system actually works. Mm. It's like somebody describing uh, a Calgary Flames game to you as opposed to you being able to actually see it. The difference. It's totally different. Yeah. 
Peter, do you think we are going to see a bit of a shift as as we see more courtrooms accept this, or are we still, it's going to be dragging into this century tooth and nail? I'm afraid it's going to be more like dra- uh, dragging in tooth and nail. Mm. I think that there is a, an incredible conservatism uh, in the in the court and in our legislatures. I mean, the real problem here are our legislators who could legislate that this should be allowed right. and that, that it ought to be. And here are the circumstances in which a judge should not allow it. Um, I, th- I think that that's something that, uh, that, that should be coming. But um, uh, as much as I feel emboldened by the Vader case, I do, do not think that there's going to be a tidal wave of this yeah. kind of thing happening. I think more judges may now look at this case and say, well, that was kind of a good idea to do, and maybe more lawyers will ask for it, and that will cause it to happen more. But it's going to require a real shift in the mindset of the judiciary and our legislators to, to really make this become an open and public system, which incidentally is what everybody says it is. We have an open court principle in Canada, open court if you can make it down there and you can get what and you can get one of the few seats in the court, courtroom otherwise you're out of luck yeah. and that to me is not an open court system peter thanks for starting the conversation for us okay good luck with it yeah peter jacobson defamation and media lawyer calgary today with angela cocott weekdays at three on news talk 770 calgary